What's your phone number? Two. <laughs> Two. I got in at the ground floor really early. So uh, an interesting thing, uh, and I'd be curious to hear what you're getting um, in Michigan, but um, I was talking to my boss, uh, my friend uh, in New York, um, who was also on the podcast, uh, 3D artist, he, uh, 3D generals, he was telling me like what he gets as far as internet in New York. And um, basically, uh, we were out with some friends on our little trip and uh, we learned that uh, having kids in this modern age can really cut into your internet budget because <laughs> <clears throat> in Canada, and I, he said it wasn't happening in New York, but uh, I'm wondering when it will happen. But in Canada, most of the internet providers, the cable companies here, charge you by gigabyte just like a wireless plan. So like you ah, have to... So it's usage-based. Yes, yeah, so monthly, like you buy a plan and you pay like thirty five or actually that's the you know six month deal seventy five dollars sure. a month for three hundred gigabytes a month, yeah, and then after that, they can charge you more if you go over, so yeah i'm I'm assuming that's probably you know the cable company's like sort of asinine answer to like you're gonna use Netflix, well screw you, like right, yeah. um. So it's kind of annoying, but uh, our friends were telling us, yeah, these people went over, we went over, it's really, what what kind of plan do you guys have? And we're like, uh, we've never had any issues. What are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when we got home, I started like, that was something we wanted to do was like maybe upgrade our internet because we don't have cable. So we were thinking like, we're not paying for cable anymore, so we could put that price to maybe a higher speed internet for podcasting. Sure. Or yeah. or work, because I'm doing so much uh, remote Online work. stuff, yep. <clears throat> so I was like, yeah, let's do that. And sure enough, like all the cable companies around us charge by the gigabyte. So what's going on? So um, strangely enough, I uh, hope no one knows my address. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my wife wasn't home, but all I did was, like, type in, like, our address. And I think I did have – I had a bill, so I had the account number. I gave it, like, the account number and the address, and then they let me change the password so that I could get into the okay <laughs> the thing. Yep. So just find someone's mail in the garbage. Um, <laughs> <clears throat> so I got in, and our plan doesn't exist anymore, which is how that works. Ah, okay. <laughs> um. But our plan is only um, 150 gigabytes a month and pretty much like clear across the history. We've been over every time. Wow. <laughs> but we've never been They've charged. They've never upcharged you for it. Right. Because we would probably like have been grandfathered into this 150 gig thing from something else. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now my wife is nervous, but I'm just like, I think we still need to upgrade. Um, and the funny part was while she was gone... <clears throat> um, and I started doing all the sync stuff with work is what I tell her, but she doesn't believe me. Um, <laughs> while she was gone, I used like, uh, 380 gigabytes or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. but, but the other plans that are higher, uh, I have my eye on just because they have a higher upload and it looks like from my confined, like archived and cached web pages that are upload speed, that I'm talking to you and now is like 
you know, MPS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we can bump that up to six. That would be so great. Yeah, that would be sweet. So, <clears throat> or maybe three. Maybe three is where I got her to go because six was too much money. Okay, sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've got um, here in Michigan. Uh, but you're un- unlimited, right? Yes. Yeah, there's no, there's no bandwidth cap that I'm aware of. Um, there's just the actual, like, speed cap, right? So, um, I, the plan that I'm on, I believe right now is, uh, 60 megabits down and like five up, three or five up. I can't remember which, I think it's five. Um, but, uh, the amazing thing is that our, um, I live in one of the few communities in the United States that still has what I would consider to be a local telephone company here in Allendale. There's a company that until very recently was called the Allendale Telephone Company. Um, and then for a little while they abbreviated it all telco because um, they do service a couple of other communities. And so they didn't want to seem like they were only Allendale. Um, and now they're called Ascentech, um, but they essentially are... Um, there's like a couple of communities in Minnesota and then there's a couple of communities in Michigan and that's the size of their company. And, uh, I'm pretty sure that the only reason they exist is because they, uh, service the university. And so they have probably a gigantic contract that makes sure that everybody doesn't, uh, get fired. Um, and the company doesn't shut down (laughs) and then revert to some giant company, um, and they are um they are who run the phone basically in all of the neighborhoods in Allendale and uh they are doing a uh fiber uh to the home project um in fact they have several communities that are already like they've already laid the fiber they just haven't turned it on uh and they're doing that in our community um, supposedly in September, September and October is when they're supposed to get everything laid and hooked up to houses. And then I think towards the end of October is when they can actually activate the service. Um, so we have the, the slow version is 100 megabits down and 10 up. And the fast version is full gigabit fiber. Um, and then I think, uh, like a hundred megabits upstream or something like that um and as and there's no they run it just like their normal like dsl so there's no there's no uh actual limit to the amount that you can download although i'm sure you're capped on some level by purely how much speed you can pull off (laughs) and how much of the internet you can possibly download but um so yes i uh when they announced that i called them fairly uh quickly i think like the day that i found out that they were doing it and um the day the little flyer showed up in my in my uh, mailbox i called them and scheduled the survey because they have to survey your house because they actually have to run a new fiber line to the side of your house um where it will like it will go into your house and then it will get terminated and turn into ethernet and then ethernet is what plugs into your network um and as soon as they have that through here in our neighborhood and turned on, um, that's going to be what I'm going to be on. And I uh, seriously can't wait to uh, ditch Charter. <laughs> not that I, not that I don't 
the charter service actually has been really good for us. Um, yeah. But their uh, their support practices and um, just like anytime I do have a problem, the amount of time that it takes to to fix it. And the number of service people that they have to come out and fix things if there's actually a, phys- a physical issue, I'm just not impressed. They're just like any other cable company, and um, I think I, – I wish that there were more of these local phone companies like Allendale Telephone Company that could come in and actually give some of the big um, giant corporate – groups a run for their money in terms of service because i'm certain that i will get better customer service from them yeah and i'm gonna gonna actually get a superior product in terms of like the only reason i'm not on them right now is because the fastest speed that i can get under their current thing is 20 megabits which for most people would be plenty but for me um being the internet junkie that i am and uh doing things like podcasts and stuff i just need more bandwidth than that like the upstream is like one megabit it wouldn't even be enough really for me to be able to do this skype conversation and stream the mixed version back out reasonably well it would like the quality would be terrible so um but now that they're doing this fiber to the home the quality will be there and it will be more bandwidth than I can even buy from Charter. Uh, and I'm getting it from a local company, which, you know, makes me feel great. I can actually drive down the street and see the data center building that I'm hooked into. And probably some of the people that work there actually work in my community somewhere around me and are also using the service that makes me uh, that makes me feel a lot better about giving them my business. Heck yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's the, uh, like Jacob, uh, former guest many times, he is uh, using a company called Tech Savvy, and they are also here, um, so I could possibly use them and the little guy kind of support them. But the issue then is, like, I'm pretty sure that they're, especially when you live in a condo like us, that they're renting the lines from the cable company. So, like, my service isn't really going to be... Right. You know, like right. that yep. greatly improved for paying like more, which, you know, like, again, it'd probably be better to support the little guy. But, you know, chances are, like, if I call with a complaint, they're going to have to send someone out from the big guy, right? Like, yep. Yep. So it just seems like, eh, I don't I'm not going to do that. And then there is a company that does fiber here. And, their plan, like I was looking at it, it was kind of good. I was thinking this might be a good idea. And when I put in our address on the website, um, it says it's not available in our area, which is weird because I know people like three blocks away that have it. But uh, sure, I think this is big city living. Um, thinking like uh, my friend was saying in New York too, like. It's not just areas anymore when you get into a big city. It's buildings. So, yeah. like, one cable company has a cable coming, a trunk coming to this building. So Yep, yep. <laughs> so, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on the other side of it, like, that account that had the fiber was, like, you know, the only way you're probably going to get, like, a good deal is to do the bundle thing. And we just don't need 190 channels we won't watch. Yeah, so. right. Right. So yeah, we're pretty happy with uh, 
not having cable. So, I mean, my wife was like, we'll just do it if it's like a better price with a bundle. And I was like, the prices just aren't that much better. And I just think right. we're better off yeah. not having cable. Like we have a good life without yeah. it. Yeah. 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 I know that, um, when I get this new service, they do have, um, a Centec does have, uh, TV and obviously phone cause they are the phone company that they can bundle. So you can do that whole triple play thing. And it does seem like it's a decent deal, but the nice thing is they don't price their internet such that, it's like dumb not to bundle it. Do you know what I mean? How the cable company will make it like if you just get basic cable, it'll be $5 cheaper than if you only pay for internet. Right. Um, whereas a Centec is like, yeah, you can get the gigabit plan. It's a hundred bucks a month. But uh, if you get, if, if you want to get the triple play with that, it's going to be 140 or 150. It's not like it's going to be $95 to get that <laughs> and because you're also subscribing to all of our TV. I think they just kind of understand that it's not really, it's not really in their interest to bundle it that way. Uh, or at least it might, it might be in their interest, but it's not in their customer's interest to bundle things together that way. If their customer doesn't want TV, they shouldn't be trying to force them to force them to pay for it just so that they can up their subscriber numbers and try to get a better deal with ESPN. Right. Yeah. Ugly, ugly world, the cable world. Yeah, it is. Definitely. Okay. So we'll go. Yeah. Like, uh, that's right. We we got to get to that first uh, first thing in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have to change the subject. I I think I have sound effects for that. It's probably crazy loud. Who knows? Who knows? You should test these things, Chris. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. There we go. <laughs> subject. That's <changed>. pretty good. <laughs> Super friends. Yeah. Ah, uh, please uh, send the letter to sue us, too. Um, <laughs> right. I think I have a P.O. box that I let expire. I could give that one out. <laughs> uh, no, we'll just give out some other podcast address. Seven. Yeah. <laughs> please send it to seven. <laughs> no, that's great. I like that. <laughs> What's your phone number? Two. <laughs> Two. I got in at the ground floor really early. <laughs> right. It was pretty good. My vacation. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was nice. It was uh it was very uh very quiet. So we went to um we what we do our our annual vacation is uh is a week long vacation and uh what what we end up doing is my my mom and stepdad as the christmas present every year they like figure out where we're going to go on our summer vacation and then they book everything and and pay for basically all of the accommodations so uh our vacation this year was a uh cabin that we rented in um in St. Joseph. Um it was right on the it was right on the lakeshore. Um the comp- the the property itself went up to Lake Michigan. Um 
Although the part of the the part of the lake that we were on kind of has some bluffs, so to get down to Lake Michigan, there was a rather long-ish staircase. It wasn't something that you could just be like, oh, I'm just going to walk outside and head to the beach. It's kind of like, I'm going to pack up everything that I need because I'm not coming back up here for a couple of hours. There's no way I'm climbing those stairs. <laughs> it's not possible. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Lake Michigan was uh, extremely nice. Uh, it actually, this is... This is basically the month of the year where it's uh, it's generally pretty swimmable. It's had all summer to warm up, so the waters the water is a pretty swimmable temperature in August usually, uh, unless something weird is happening. Um, so, couple couple of the days we were swimming in Lake Michigan. Um, one day we did a um, a day trip to Chicago uh, by taking the Amtrak. Um, the nice thing about that is that St. Joe is the the final stop before yes. Grand Central Station. So basically, you get on the Amtrak in St. Joe, and two hours later, you're in Chicago. Um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had, I had such a bad experience with Amtrak going from Grand Rapids to Chicago that I started a fake Twitter account to complain about it. <laughs> So when you said St. Joe, I was like, oh, yeah, that's the last stop before Chicago. Yeah. That was the first thing I yep. thought of. And the thing that's funny is uh, two days later, well, the, the day that we went was Wednesday. Um, two days later on Friday, uh, we were watching the news in the morning. And on the news, they reported that uh, the Amtrak line was shut down as of Friday um, between St. Joe and Chicago. Because uh, they are doing some construction on the tracks in Gary, Indiana. So you can't get through. (laughs) (laughs) Which uh, we kind of knew that they were doing some construction because when we were on the train, the conductor actually announced, by the way, we're going to slow down a little bit in Gary, Indiana, because there's some construction happening on the tracks and we need to be careful of of the workers that are in that area. There's just going to be a little bit of a slowdown. It will hardly cause any delay. Because we can make up the time once we're through it. So, um, and there, were, I mean, there was a little bit of construction. I think they're actually putting in a second track um, in some of that area, which, if anything, will improve the train service uh, for Amtrak. Because one of the big, one of the big problems facing Amtrak in the United States is the fact that uh, a long time ago they sold almost all of their track. So now they don't own any of it. And if they're going to actually run trains, they have to lease time from the freight companies that actually own the tracks now. Um, <laughs> so basically the freight the freight companies can just tell Amtrak to screw off anytime that they want, <laughs> which I presume is what happened on Friday <laughs> because I think Amtrak probably would have warned people a little bit earlier than the day of if they had known that they weren't going to be able to go through there. Uh, but anyway, the day that we went, no problems, went right through, uh, spent the day in Chicago, went to Shedd Aquarium. Um, it was, a, it was uh, the girls' first time uh, both in Chicago and going to a gigantic aquarium like Shed. Um, How long did you wait in line? Uh, we did not have to wait in line at all. Oh wow! Uh, my my uh, parents had pre bought tickets. 
Oh, okay. Um, you can pre-buy tickets to get in online, and they did, like, the package, so that included, like, seeing their show. They have, like, a... Um, mermaids? A dolphin show. <laughs> yes, mermaids. <laughs> we actually watched The Little Mermaid. Um, <laughs> it's I a dingle liked, hopper. I actually would have liked that better. Um, <laughs> that that's one, that's one part of the Shedd Aquarium experience that I would not personally recommend, um, especially if you have little kids. Uh, that It's one of those things where, like, I have been to SeaWorld, and so I've seen um, animals who have been trained to do tricks um, using methods that probably are not that great for the animals, but still they've been trained to do tricks that are that are pretty impressive. Uh, and that was kind of what I was expecting. And Shed Aquarium, very honestly, and this is a good thing, is not going to treat their animals that way. And so their dolphins do not do the same kinds of tricks that dolphins at SeaWorld do, and they don't do as many of them, and the show itself is not nearly as stressful, I'm sure, for the animals as uh, what a SeaWorld show would be. But that said, a SeaWorld show is entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> There's really no other way to say it. And the, the Shed Aquarium show... While very informative uh, and interesting to an adult, um, is not is not particularly stimulating for a really young child. And my daughters are four and two, so they need like a right. little bit more stimulation than <clears throat> um, seeing just seeing the dolphins kind of swim around a little bit, do a couple of like waves to the audience. One of them does kind of a flip. That's pretty much the sum total of the actual tricks that are performed by the animals, and that and that's fine. I, it's shed aquarium. That's that's what they do. But it does kind of look and feel like when you're getting into the auditorium and you're sitting down to have the show. It's very well constructed. There's a great. They have a great uh, place. Um, set up and it looks like it's going to be a very fun and impressive and exciting show and it really is mostly a movie that's projected behind behind the auditorium and then for like two to three minute segments throughout this 45 minute long show the lights come up and you see an animal swimming around and they do a little bit of a trick with a trainer and then the lights dim again and you watch basically more movie about um, conservation, um, uh, multimedia. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. And from a technical standpoint, it's very good. <laughs> I, it really is. I mean, there were no technical glitches that I could pull out. Um, the trainers seemed like they were very professional and they knew what they were doing. It just was not at all exciting for a young child <laughs> at all. Even if the, so. the, the dolphin would have just like, popped up and said so long and thanks for all the fish like that would have been more entertaining <laughs> right <laughs> right <laughs> that would have at least been interesting to me <laughs> <laughs> how did they make Whoa. them do that it's a hitchhiker's guide from the galaxy reference yeah. well done well done yes i applaud you yes. sir um, <laughs> oh well, yeah. well, well done well done <laughs> But yeah, like I, I can remember as a kid going to SeaWorld and seeing like the show with Shamu and lots of dolphins being in that show as well. And there is a lot more happening in I, either I have like 
rose-colored glasses on about that part of my childhood, and there was really not nearly as much happening as I feel like I remember. But I remember being pretty entertained by seeing lots of, you know, lots of moving, lots of flips, and um, having, like, there's this area that they have marked off called the Splash Zone, which when Shamu jumps out of the water, he's going to make a big splash, and people in that area are going to get wet, right? Like, there's a big... There's a big show to it, and it's only probably 15 minutes long, but it's 15 minutes of, like, fast-paced, there's stuff happening. Um, but, it, you know, again, it's Shed Aquarium, and they are there to – they are there for conservation, and they are there to treat the animals really well. I I don't begrudge them at all that that's not the kind of show that they're going to put on. Um this portion of the show brought to you by Blackfish, the <laughs> documentary about SeaWorld. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know how to feel about it because I part of me is like it kind of feels like it's false advertising the way that they have it set up, I guess would be my complaint about it. Cuz it does seem like you've got it's set up like you should have this. This is going to be a SeaWorld show type of expectation. And that's, they're not, they're never going to produce that. They shouldn't, right. they shouldn't produce that. Right. Um, well, I mean, we live in the Twitter world where every person thinks they're a brand and every brand thinks they're a person. <laughs> so <laughs> it's all about marketing. Like, let's go. Like, yeah. This is the best pizza ever. Yeah. Well, no, it's not. Right. Yeah. Number one, so. pizza NY. See, yeah. So you you just you have to sell everything. So yeah, yeah, it's true. Mm. 1958. It's tough times, everyone. I know it is. <laughs> oh, that was the last episode. That reference doesn't work. Here. <laughs> Damn it! It's 1959 now. We rolled oh. over. <laughs> <laughs> Time travel with us on Montreal sauce. That's right. There's uh, this new show that's in the works called Doctor Who. <laughs> uh, I hear they're shooting it in the in the uh, in the Britain, but uh, it it may come to American television someday. Uh, Americans are confused. How does a man fit in a police call box? <laughs> also, what is a police call box? <laughs> is it like a phone booth? Find out tonight. <laughs> what an awkward that's uh we should shoot that because we still do video <laughs> uh, <laughs> we should totally shoot like someone like in we need like to know someone with like a a phone booth a doctor who phone booth <laughs> yep. and then sh- shoot like clark kent walking in to get naked and change into the super costume yeah there you go like, whoa this is what's going on here Whoa, this is can i help you uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is like the Fortress of Solitude in here. <laughs> What's going Except on? Warmer. That's a, that's something I never thought about. Wow. Like so many people go to the Fortress of Solitude. Like Batman's been there, Lois Lane's been there. <laughs> you know, he he brings people to the Fortress of Solitude. Like there's the joke there. But yep. the other thing is yeah. is like Superman is Superman. He doesn't need heat installed there at all because he's Superman, but his guests sure. have to, got to be freezing. Yeah, true. <laughs> I would think so. 
Like they can't even have a normal conversation. They're just like. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Are you gonna see the new uh, Batman? Batman v Superman. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, when you do a podcast where you watch bad movies on purpose, I'm not sure that I need to go to the theater to see. Sure. One. Boom. Boom. Um, you, you blew that up. Yeah. <laughs> it helps when you when you describe it that way. <laughs> Listeners were like, "I don't know, was that a good job?" And he's like, "Oh no, Paul, yeah." <laughs> Uh, yeah, I haven't really, I mean, it's, what's good is they I haven't seen much about it, so maybe I'll enjoy it. Um, the animated movies are so good that, uh, I will continue to watch DC's animated movies. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I'm not crazy about the Affleck, uh, I'm, but I guess I'm like one of like four people in the internet that are still like, uh, angry about, uh, Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> about Daredevil. Yeah. But sure. but now it's been redeemed thanks to Netflix. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, that's true. Um, Daredevil on Netflix is a good is a good series. Yeah, but I was gonna say when you're talking to water park stuff, like I did go see Jurassic World. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you did you or I no? have seen it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The it, it just the. The end scene is like a bit of a Rube Goldberg machine where like yeah. everything just happens and yeah. and yeah. But uh so that's made me think about the water park stuff you were talking about. But really I haven't seen a lot of summer movies this year. It's kind of strange. Yeah, I'm trying to think. We saw uh we saw Jurassic World. Um and I I, I liked it well enough. Yeah, um, that's a it, good description. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. I was entertained by it. It was. It was fine. I liked some of the. I liked that they had a number of references to the original, uh, in it. Yeah, um, yeah, that was what I. I really thought that part was clever, and yeah. I was like, I like this. It's kind of like along the uh, lines of J.J. Abramson's uh, first Star Wars movie, where it was like. We're going to call back and sort of create our own thing. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah. this is smart. I like this. This works. Yeah. Um, and then I just, from there, your description works, and I interrupted you. But from there, I just became an old man, and I was like, this movie is PG. <laughs> <laughs> like, I saw a man lose his arm and yeah. be bitten and people, yeah. like, eaten. But, like, my friends, every time I turn on, they're, oh old man voice um they are always like quick to say you never see anyone die in jurassic world and i was like i'll be darned you're right <laughs> that's true you just think it and they may head be delimbed a- but yeah <laughs> yes technically you don't know that they're dead chris you're a bad person for thinking those people died they're fine <laughs> medical science is great so are the dinosaurs yeah, right. The great They're thing fine. about it, everybody lives. Everybody lives. <laughs> you you go, Blue. That's right. Now, uh, yeah, it. I the way that I kind of left the theater was like, boy, if the if Jurassic Park two had been as good as this, then <laughs> they probably could have set up a better Jurassic Park three, and they might have a a, a like solid franchise going where you're like, there should be a new Jurassic Park movie every two to three years. Um, 
but instead i i kind of feel like it was good it was good enough i don't need to see another jurassic anything movie at least for a while like a long while um yeah i don't know they those movies feel really hit or miss i uh aside from the first one which is amazing yeah the only i read like i the two and three just blur together right so mm-hmm. I read the books, or at least one or two of them, and so there's a scene in the books that they do in one of the movies where, like, the lab trailer they're in gets pushed off the cliff, and, like, the one part is, like, all window, and it's cracking, and in the book, that was, like, one of the most terrifying things I've ever read. (laughs) Yeah. And, I mean, friends have handed me, like, horror novels. It's not my first grab, but I've read a few, (laughs) but just, like... Oh my gosh, like that would be terrifying. And then so when the movie ha- did it, it wasn't it wasn't as it like scary yeah. to me. Yeah. But it it was pretty good, but that's like the only thing I remember about the sequels really. Yeah. Uh, aside from the part of like we're rich white privileged people, so we're going to go to the island even though you're not supposed to. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I don't know if that's the same or the different movie where there's like, "Oops, this is a kid that's been living on the island by himself. It's fine." <laughs> yeah like oh man yeah 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 <laughs> i haven't seen ant-man because i only watch big superhero movies <laughs> boom uh <laughs> i actually just recently saw ant-man i saw it while i was on my vacation tina did not want to see it um so we didn't use a date night on it um but my uh my stepdad wanted to go see it and uh, so he and I, uh, on Thursday of vacation, went and saw it. And uh, it uh, is fine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It's, it, is, uh, it is exactly what I would expect from uh, a movie with um, a Marvel movie that has Paul Rudd in it. It's, ex- it's exactly what you would expect. <laughs> It, it okay. lived up to its expectations. Which were small. Boom. <laughs> um. <laughs> it was it was entertaining. It had funny parts, just like any Paul Rudd movie. Um, the effects in it were good. The CGI Michael Douglas at the beginning was, was actually amazing as far as like a piece of digital effects work. Um, I, if I didn't, if I hadn't known that they had done that much to it, I'm not sure I would have, like, I would have just looked at it and thought, how the hell did they do that makeup to make him look that young? Because he looks literally like he looked in the original Wall Street. Like, (laughs) he looks exactly like that. The reason he looks exactly like that is because they used um, digital CGI to basically take his face from Wall Street and put it on his body. Souls of children. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> they actually medically aged him using a witch doctor. Yes, yes. Um. <laughs> yes, good transition uh, because uh, I want to talk about something I just recently watched on the Netflix. Ah. So, Paul and uh, listeners, stop listening to the podcast right now and jump on Netflix and go watch Lost Soul, which is about the making of the island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness 
that movie like if you've seen it we should probably watch it on film from but i don't hate people that much um (laughs) (laughs) that film is such a hot mess and this documentary about the making of it oh my goodness the stuff that happened in this movie Wow. wow like it is just fascinating the witch doctor thing like the first director uh he thought he was going to lose the movie. Like he's talking to the camera. And at this point, like in the documentary, you're like, yeah, I know this movie's bad. And this is the first director. And like he had a vision for it. And so far, so good. And then he's like, you know, they they hired Brando. And then the next thing I heard is they were going to hire like this other director. And he's like, so, so I, uh, I got with my agents and I said, I need to talk to Brando. Like, let me sell him on my story. Like it's his script. Like they're rewriting it with the better writers, but, (laughs) but it's his script. And he has all these, all this work he's done for years with like, uh, you know, drawings and everything. So, um, he's like, let me just go talk to Brando. And then like, they were like, okay, we got the meeting, but he, he's really mad. He's probably just going to give it to you because he doesn't want to talk to you. So he's like, well, now I'm really worried. So I call my friend in London, Richard, and uh, he's a witch doctor. And so I tell him that I'm about to lose my movie, so I need him to do something for me. And he's like, so while I'm in the car driving up this huge hill uh, uh, on top of which Brando has this giant mansion, um, I presume Richard is in his basement with his cult followers and he's like uh, slitting his uh, arm so that he can use blood in an offering. <laughs> and he's like, and the meeting went great. And Brando called the studio and said, no other director is going to do this movie. It's just going to be this guy or I walk. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, things just got interesting. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you you do Hollywood movies and you hired a okay, <laughs> and his story is like like tame compared to how further this documentary goes. Like Brando is completely insane, which we mostly know, and Val <laughs> Val Kilmer is nuts. But I already know that from stories around Grand Rapids when he was there. So, yeah, huh. um, you don't do you know that story? It's no, I don't that, know that story. I steal stories from people because I just sit at this computer. So, um, <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so I guess um, at Grand Valley State, where we both went, um, I think, I don't know if I was working there when I was, I don't think I was working there when the film credit was big, but a lot of students started working on films and, you know, getting like credit for it. And mm-hmm. there was uh, one girl. And I think someone else that I worked with had told me this story, like one of the equipment room kids that I worked for me, um, and I'm passing it on. Or maybe it was Jim, our buddy Jim, but uh, she was working on the film, and she was a PA, and one of her jobs every day was to go pick up Val Kilmer for shooting. Um, The movie was called The Steam Experiment, I believe, Uh, (laughs) and it was straight to video. Um, And uh, so... Every day she would pick up Val Kilmer, she'd have to go up to his hotel room and knock on the door and he would like, I guess, grab like a mint either in the hallway or in his room and unwrap it, put the mint in his uh, mouth while he was walking down the hallway with her and then just throw the garbage on the floor. And so she said, like, he did this every day and every day she had to drive him and escort him back to his hotel room. 
So she would have to like drive to the hotel and then walk him up to his room. And every day he would walk by that wrapper on the floor and just go shake his head like tisk tisk, like no one picked that up. <laughs> and so she like on the final day of his shooting, like she like went to pick him up and he did the same thing. And then she dropped him off on the set and she didn't have anything else to do because it was like the last day. So she drove back to the hotel and like picked it up. And threw it away. <laughs> and so then when she brought him back to the hotel later, he just like, he was walking down the hall and he kind of looked and like cocked his head and that was it. I mean, it's kind of a yeah. stupid story, but yeah. like, what a strange, strange individual. Yeah. <laughs> on the, on the Island of Dr. Moreau film, he like pulled a lot of power trippy things and he basically told the first director, uh, the first director was trying to give him direction in a scene and he said, whoa, 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 whoa step back and he's like sorry and he's like this part right here in front of the camera is for actors you're supposed to sit behind the camera (laughs) awesome yeah and basically the studio tell them like they had bruce willis before val kilmer and bruce dropped out because he was getting divorced with demi and some Uh, things were happening so he couldn't uh, leave the country to go shoot in australia so uh Basically, the studio said if Val Kilmer leaves, then this movie's done. So, like, the director was like, you know, I have to do anything this guy wants, right? right. It's a fascinating film about how movies can go wrong. (laughs) And the second director wasn't much better. Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, it was a really great watch. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, And the other thing is, uh, recently on Netflix, uh, the wife and I watched uh how to steal a million i think it's just called how to steal a million hmm. i don't think dollars is in there but it's an old um audrey hepburn film ah okay uh from 66 and uh uh peter is that his name peter the guy who uh lawrence of arabia oh yeah 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 i know what you're talking about yeah, very young him. Like, the whole time we were watching, I kept turning to Colette and saying, he's like, this is like where Brad Pitt gets, like, everything. <laughs> like, he's just really slick and, yeah. It was a good film. It's a comedy, and the reason I wanted to watch it was because I was kind of looking for comedies because Colette really loves comedies on Netflix. Uh, yep. So yep. it's hard to find a good comedy. It really is. And, uh when I was looking online for like good comedies on Netflix, I bumped into this movie and people were like, there's a reason why it still has a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And I was like, <laughs> how can it have a hundred percent from 1966? Like did one person vote? Like what's going on? <laughs> it's really quite a good movie. So yeah. Audrey Hepburn and Peter O'Toole. Yes. Thank you. O'Toole. Yes. It was very good. Those are my suggestions since I haven't been out to the theater much except to see snakes on a plane. (laughs) I'm trying not to get overly excited about the new Star Wars movie. Yeah, I see a lot of people in that situation. It's good that I'm bitter and angry about it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, that's how I feel. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I'm, if I've reached sick days level of bitter and angry, but, uh, but I, on the one hand, JJ did a great job. I feel with uh, with Star Trek, um, so I feel like he can do. Uh, he he at least has the the cred 
to attempt a Star Wars movie. Um, but I, I, I just have no idea if it's going to be, uh, what it needs to be because Star Wars is Star Wars. Like the, the movies are the only thing, right? Where I feel like Star Trek movies a lot of times get a pass because it's a, it's such an ensemble thing and it's really designed for television. Like the entire structure of all of the, all of the, the stories and how the ensemble cast works together and how everything is built really is designed for television. Um, and so there are, there's the way that the characters interact and everything like that in most Star Trek movies, you just don't get everybody their full due the way um, that you would like to uh, over the course of like an entire television series. And so a lot of the Star Trek movies, like they're either really great because they only concentrate on one or two of the main characters and their struggle with some specific thing like Wrath of Khan and uh, First Contact. Like they both have like very specific people that they focus on. Everybody else is like, you're an auxiliary character and you are here to move the story along. And that is really all you do. Um, And you don't have... When you've got it in in a in a series format, you have a lot of time to take those other characters and give them their own stories throughout the course of the season, um, and and it works very well. And then you get into the movies, and you kind of already know who all those characters are, so you don't have to give them a storyline every single movie. It's fine. Whereas Star Wars movies, there's still a decent number of characters, but the movies is all you have, so you have to flesh out everything about their characters. If you're going to introduce a new character, that's a big deal because you have to give them enough backstory and enough um, characterization just within like the five minutes that you have to introduce them to turn them into somebody that you're either going to root for or against and make them an important part of the movie. Um, and this is a new Star Wars movie with a mostly brand new cast um, it seems like it's a fairly decent size cast. Um, so unlike Star Trek, which JJ did, where you have these archetypal characters that you already know who they are, the only thing that we're changing is kind of the environment, right? We changed the timeline, so it's the same characters in kind of a different set of circumstances. Now you're in a Star Wars movie where, yes, a couple of the holdover characters are still there we get the actors back they're great they're not who this story is about and here's this brand new cast of people and you're gonna have to get to know them and really like either really like them or really hate them or really not be sure if you like them or hate them to get into their stories and i am i'm not sure that i'm not sure that that is gonna work really well hmm yeah, you've thought about this a lot. Too much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I feel <laughs> I mean I didn't really think about like all the new characters and stuff like yeah, that is interesting like it you could be expanding the universe or maybe just, you know, flopping it like the prequels that no one wants to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like I think what you kind of hit on about Star Trek was 
Um, you know, JJ didn't have to, cause it's a reboot, like redevelop those characters. We already know who they are. Mm-hmm. And for, for new viewers who are just like, whatever, but like, it's a big summer blockbuster that they advertise the heck out of. So now mm-hmm. I want to watch it. Like they did like, you know, you get Kirk as a young boy, you get some of this like stuff where they kind of, and they meet each other. So you do get some character building. Yep. But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's possible. Like, I feel like um, we both said Jurassic World is good movie. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we're not raving about it, whatever. It's a summer blockbuster. Um, I feel like what Jurassic World did is it was light on plot and light on story, but it hit, hit beats, right? Yeah. Like, yep. it, it knows where the beats are. Like, oh, people are going to remember this from the old movie. Pop that in there, you know. Yep. And and so I feel like that's probably where Disney is going to try to take Star Wars. Like, okay, let's get Han and Chewie in there. All right. Audience likes that. Like, let's get the Falcon flying around. You know, like. Yep. Yep. I feel like they're going to go after beats and try to make a rhythm of a show and entertainment, but you're not going to get like a story. And I'm not saying that everything needs to be like Breaking Bad, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, but that's just where I feel like. And to me, that's probably like the safe game, I guess, is why I'm disappointed, you know? Sure. Like they, one of the surprising things, like uh, going back to like Daredevil on Netflix is like, they could have played the safe game with that. Like every other freaking hero show like that people are making like agents of shield or something like, let's just try to plop some effects in there. Let's plop some action in there. And every week we just do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And daredevil is like dark and it's emotional. And you're like, Oh wait, what's happening? Like, how's that going to happen? How's this going to work out? I'm scared. Like, okay, I can't, we're going to watch one episode tonight because I can't sit here and watch four of them (laughs) because it emotionally will drain me. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting characters. Yeah. But I am, I, I mean, the one thing that I really like is like JJ and then I really love that movie Attack the Block that the Stormtrooper guy is in. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so i'm like oh, you can check it out i don't know yeah have you have you been able to uh read anything this summer um i'm trying to think uh i was given a book by one of my coworkers because i recommended the martian have we talked about the martian at all yeah, yeah, I thought it was the last show that we okay. did, the last hostful. Like, I was, like, thanking you for the recommendation because yeah. it was great. Yeah, The Martian is. The Martian is great. So I, w- I was recommending it at work, and, like, four people at work had have read it now on my recommendation um, and all also en- really enjoyed it. Um, so definitely read The Martian. But um, Welcome to the book corner with Chris and Paul. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> some kind of sound effect i don't know (laughs) book corner fire crackling um (laughs) uh i have a book on my nightstand that i started reading and i haven't i haven't gotten into too much by uh mary roach uh which is called packing for mars um which is 
uh, sort of the nonfiction, I guess, version of a lot of the science that's in The Martian. Um, it's basically she's going around and talking to as many um, engineers and scientists as possible to figure out, okay, what what is it really going to take to get somebody to Mars and not just in terms of like propulsion technology or like shielding of the ship or, or anything like that, but also in terms of like, what are they going to eat? Where is their waste going to go? Going to go? How does that get handled? And all of that kind of stuff. Um, like how do we fulfill the biological requirements of human beings for what is going to amount to like a four to five year trip, two of which is spent getting to Mars. Some of that is then spent on Mars and then two more years are spent getting back. Um, that's obviously a very complicated thing to pull off. And the Martian does a really great job with the science. Um, that's been, um, actually said by a lot of people um, is that he did a, he did an excellent job doing research to figure out what the science would look like. Um, but this book by uh, Mary Roach is really, that's really all it is, is just talking to her. It's, it's kind of her, uh, her diary of this journey of talking to all of these people and then documenting what they talk about in terms of, the the kinds of science that's going to be necessary to get to Mars. Interesting. So, yeah, I'm not super deep into that yet. Um, partly because it's not fiction. It's not fiction, and so it's not really like right. story driven. It's it's much more. Um, but then again, I I I do like books like that once I once I get into their rhythm. Um, yeah, for sure. It's really tough. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I I always try to mix it up and do some nonfiction. And like some of those books are fascinating. Like uh, Bill Bryson does a lot of like those sort of like history of the world kind of yeah. really interesting like factual yep. based nonfiction stuff. So yep, yep. Yeah. I've read one of his, and I've read a little bit of uh, Michio Kaku as well. He's um, he's actually like a quantum physicist but he has a really good knack for um breaking down uh breaking down physics into basically uh kind of simple concepts so that you can sort of read through and he talks about like these are what the latest theories in science are and let me translate that into actual english so that you can kind of try to understand it and and he puts a lot of diagrams into into things and i i find that stuff just incredibly interesting like the unified field theory that they're trying to put together that sort of unifies all these different forces of the world like gravity and electromagnetic radiation and things like that trying to figure out a single formula that describes all of those things instead of separate formulas that all kind of look the same but aren't exactly the same for varying reasons so He's the guy, like, is always on, like, those, like, Discovery Channel, like, shows and stuff, right? Yeah, 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 he is. Okay. He's kind of yep. an interesting guy. Yeah, he is. All right. Um, but, oh, cool. uh, yeah, I would say whatever his latest book is, it's probably worth a read. Um, I, I, he, He's kind of prolific, and I think some of that writing falls victim to then going out of date because he's always trying to write about, like, the very latest – 
theories and stuff like that. But on the other hand, some of those books have a lot of kind of foundational stuff. Like he talks about sort of the differences between Newtonian physics, which haven't changed in a very long time. Um, and then like quantum physics in which there are still new discoveries being made and theories being proven or disproven, um, all the time. So those are interesting books, I think, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Cool. I haven't done nonfiction in a while just because, uh, the last thing that I was reading was sort of like about the history of the NSA, which I thought I would find fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, those books go a lot slower, and I had read a lot. <laughs> At least it felt <laughs> like a lot. And Kindle does that really nifty thing, like, where underneath the book they show in dotted lines to your progress. And I was, like, a fourth through the book. And I was yeah. like, how big is this book? And that I put that aside, and then I started reading um, Are We Rome, which is an interesting book comparing mm. the U.S. to Rome. And... I didn't get through that one either. Like I failed because that one I felt was a little like less history than I thought it was going to be. And more like, Hey, did you know the Romans did this? We do this now. Isn't that crazy? I'm like, (laughs) it's just a little too, like I wanted more like facts. Like, right. Yeah. Show me like American GDP versus, you know, like, right. Yeah. It was kind of annoying to me. So, but Hey, I forgot to do like a false ending. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> we uh we started late but uh now i think we're ending up running late so we should probably wrap it up i do want to say um just because i have two things in my notes uh i think people if there's anyone still listening don't tell me nice cast server i don't want to <laughs> be depressed uh i just wanted to say um september 30th uh vimeo um, on their sort of like paying or streaming kind of thing is when Con Man starts. And I think some listeners might be interested in that, which is the uh, Indiegogo campaign funded um, show from Alan Tudyk, uh, the actor who's like a uh, Joss Whedon boy who's been in Dollhouse and a number of things, and including he was the pilot in Firefly. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So he also he, is the voice of King Candy in uh, Wreck It Ralph. Nice, yes. Yeah. So he has um, he pushed a script around Hollywood and couldn't get it to work. So he brought it to Indiegogo, and he got uh, his friend uh, Nathan Fillion from Edmonton woot woot, uh, <laughs> involved as a producer as well. And basically, the show Con Man is about. A character who was in a very popular sci-fi show who now can't find work. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's a comedy. It looks pretty great. Uh, you can look up um, the Con Man Indiegogo page and see him and uh, Nathan do their video and their pitch. And him, there might be a trailer out there. I don't know. But nice. It, it looks hilarious. Like, yeah. Basically, Nathan Fillion is the captain again, but just like sort of post star trek like uh, like my buddy shatner like he's getting jobs but you know yeah alan tudyk's character isn't so it's kind of funny uh it's uh, and it looks like the entire firefly cast is in this show so i think it looks great that's and funny I just thought well it starts on september 30th so i should plug it before yeah yeah <laughs> this might this episode could be posted by then yeah it could be 
<laughs> There's a real possibility. Right. Or time travel could be invented. Yes. Um, it could have been released yesterday. I was going to say, <laughs> whoa, you just blew my mind. <laughs> uh I was also going to say, just because I took the time to find the link and put it in the show notes and I never mentioned it, uh, uh, Edmonton Folk Fest is like this pretty big event here in town. And uh, it certainly fascinated me the first time I went three years ago or four years ago now um, because the Folk Festival goes like Thursday to Sunday. And on Saturday and Sunday, they have about seven side stages, which either show... It's like one act will put on like a small concert during the day for an hour or they'll have what they call like sessionals where they'll have like five artists or, you know, three artists and two bands or something on Mm -hmm. the same stage. And uh, when they're on stage together, like sometimes like they'll just say, okay, this is the, you know, they'll make up a theme for the stage that day. And then one of the bands will be quote unquote the host. And so a lot of times, especially if they're first-time bands, they'll be like, uh, okay, we're going to play this song. Okay, you guys play a song. But more often than not, they jam together. And it's when the magic happens, like we had like a moment. That's all my wife and I could say when we saw it at stage six was like a moment. (laughs) Like a gentleman by the name of uh, Matt Anderson, which is with E's, um his last name uh he is uh a great like blues artist he's got a set of lungs this guy and uh his website is stubbyfingers.ca but he he basically uh he's just got a guitar and he can really play it crazy like i wish i was that talented (laughs) but his voice and he sang a song and he told the other artists you know join on in and so there was a band there on stage with them called good for grapes and uh they're really good if anyone wants to look them up but uh so they've got like a trumpet and a violin and a keyboard and two guitars and a drummer so they just joined in on his song and then there's a band from new york that was there which they're kind of like uh i would say like a new wave kind of a little bit poppy but a little bit alternative like they're called uh, lucius and it's two women who harmonize uh and so they, their music is kind of like a newer kind of a, I mean, it's not like old, but like they sing in sort of like an older style cause they harmonize together, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so they popped in and started doing chorus for Matt while he was singing. And, um, and then there was, uh, Monica Heldel, I think is her name. Um, she was from Norway and she was on stage as well. And she wasn't as open to like jump in but she had a guitarist with her and so he just jumped in with his electric guitar and did some little pieces and matt basically just nodded to everyone and gave them all a solo and it was just a moment and i just wanted to mention it like it was one of those like you had to be there but uh (laughs) but just today when i was like thinking like what did i do with my summer I thought about that, like how like everyone it was like the second or third song or something like that. And everyone just like stood up and gave a standing ovation like right after that song. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> um, but uh, I forgot that the local video organization here was recording it um, and streaming it live. And so I was searching for that today because it was in my show notes and I found the link. So I'll put it in the show notes. So 
since I did all that work to find it and then watch it again, <laughs> I, I thought I better mention that before we sign off just so I can put it in show notes. <laughs> nice. Nice. That's I have right. one I have one thing that uh people could go watch that uh that I'll mention as well that actually just got released recently. Uh I think a couple days ago actually it went live on YouTube uh which is something called Star Trek Renegades um which is also oh. like a Indiegogo. I can't remember if they were Kickstarter or Indiegogo. I think they were Indiegogo. Um but it's a uh it's basically a new Star Trek. It's not like blessed canon, but it does have uh Walter Koenig in it. It has um uh Tim Russ who plays Tuvok uh in it. It actually has several people who are Star Trek alums. Um, some of whom are playing just brand new characters. They they just happen to be character actors that you've seen in Star Trek before if you have watched it. Um, but it also has like Tim Russ uh, is playing Tuvok in this. Uh, Walter Koenig is playing Chekhov in this. Um, it's uh, it's pretty interesting fan. Uh, I believe fan written and then all of the production work was done by people who were either professionals or were students who were studying and trying to get basically experience. Um, and the, the visuals and the production quality is actually really high. I would put it, I'd probably put it like a modern, uh, like if they were making Babylon five with the Babylon five budget today, this is what th- this is the kind of thing that you could pull off. It doesn't quite have exactly the Star Trek look and feel, I wouldn't say. Um, and and the majority of that is just because it doesn't have the budget to do that. Um, but the, what they pulled off is, uh, I think, really high quality, and it's certainly worth a watch. Uh, and you can see that on YouTube if you just search for Star Trek Renegades. Cool. Yeah, I actually saw that on another site, like. Um, on a on a on a questionable site uh, where <laughs> I may watch our MasterChef episodes on, and uh, and I saw the poster for that, and I was like, oh, that's it. Uh, I don't know because I actually watched uh, a while ago. I watched just while I was working to kill some time. <laughs> like I watched one of these like fan films that was a Star Wars film, and it was uh, it was rough, but the effects were like good for the time, right? Sure. Like, yeah. Like, they actually, like, it was a fan film, but it wasn't, like, two kids with a camera and, like, you know, an 8 millimeter camera or something. Yeah, yeah. It was a huge production, but I was just like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's some, I've cool. only seen about half of uh, Renegade so far. It's, like, an hour and a half long. Um, cool. And it's, uh, it's really good. Um, there are... There are parts of it where I'm extremely impressed with how they shot it, how it's put together. There are other parts of it where I feel like there's a little bit too much of a flourish. It's like the kind of thing where it feels like this was done by a CGI student who was like, I could just turn the camera a little bit more and I could just add a little bit more of a move to this thing. And it's like, ah, now it doesn't feel natural anymore. Cause you went a little too far. It's kind of like uncanny Valley type of stuff or, sure. um, but I, I, I feel like that's one of those things where I notice it because I, 
uh, have the training, <laughs> right? Uh, and I wouldn't notice it if I if I wasn't looking for it. Um, <laughs> yeah. It might be the kind of thing where like a uh, somebody who's just watching it is like, this doesn't quite feel like Star Trek, but it, it, I like it. It's good, you know. Right. Yeah. But but it's definitely I. It's worth a watch purely because I think it's great that there are uh, people making stuff like this and being supported by the professionals as well in making that kind of thing um and that they're you know that they're doing it on fan funded i think if it was something where it was entirely new it wasn't in the star trek universe it was just something that was entirely brand new it could be like a a thing that launches into building building other stuff uh, and I believe the people who are doing Star Trek Renegades are hoping to kind of turn it into a web series of some kind. So it would be cool to see that that go on. That would be cool. Awesome. I will definitely check that out. All right. So now we've... Now we it. definitely have to go. Yes. That's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> Paul, everyone, all of us have to work tomorrow. Yeah. So. Thank all you, right, so. everybody, for listening. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter. I noticed today we have, hold on, 52 followers. Crazy. Wow. <laughs> wow. We should have more, I think. But uh, yeah, I I'm think just so. a greedy podcaster. Right. So, yes. yeah. So you should follow us if you don't already. You should follow at Montreal Sauce. You should totally rate us in your apps and give us stars or yep. whatever. Do all that stuff. Know. Recommend us yes. in Overcast and or Instacast and or whatever Android client you are using. <laughs> There's a share button button for a reason. Google Cast, they installed it for free. So Yes, it's yeah. <laughs> Callback. Nice. Yep. Callback. Yep. I like it. So yes, I'm also at Paul D on Twitter if you want to follow me specifically. That's true. He is. I've seen him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am at Sick Days. You can find me on Twitter. There's two Ks. There's no C. I promise. Boom. There you go. All right. And uh, yeah, if you've managed to stick around this long, then I think you deserve the only sound effect that I can seemingly find from those awesome NBA Jam games. So I leave you with this for the evening. Is it the shoes? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Good night, everyone. Good night. <laughs>